You know, every once in a while, the Lord gives me a dream uh, for people in the church. And I have, I can honestly say this, to this day, I am batting 100% on my dreams for people in the church. They all are, are, have come true or are in the process of coming true. And I had this dream about somebody in the church uh, this week. And, and I feel like the Lord told me to share it with them publicly because I want to bless them. So I wanted the great heads to stand up because I had this dream about you guys. And this is the dream. I know you have a business, right? You're, this is what the Lord was showing me in the dream. Your business is really fixing to take off. Okay, and God is going to really prosper your business, and it's going to be a real blessing to the church, and it's going to be a real blessing to missions. Okay, I saw that. I saw those two things, and you had such a glory on you in the dream, and you were just like in this flow of of the spirit in your in your business, and you were just, you know, the, there's a scripture about the government government of His peace. Resting upon us, that was what I saw on you. I saw this peace on you that was supernatural peace. Uh, it was. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Woo, yeah, thank you, Lord. <laughs> that must be good, huh? <laughs> Woo, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the reason I was telling you this because I got my 100% going and I know that dream was from the Lord and it's going to come true so so let's, let's just put your hands towards Him Lord we just release what heaven has declared over the great heads the, the glory, the prosperity come on. <laughs> the peace, the government of your peace Lord that governs Everything about us, Lord, we release it to Him right now, this morning. No idea. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. The Lord's good. Everybody say the Lord's good. Let's give the Lord a big hand. And Pam, Pam Stevenson. You had to stay. Uh, Pam bailed me out in the first service with my message. I felt like, oh, thank you, Pam, for bailing me out. Because I, I feel like everybody was just sort of sitting there looking at me like, what, what is he talking about? Is it, does, does he know what he's talking about? <laughs> and Pam came up and explained it to everybody in a really great way. So I'll try to give the message, and then I'll let Pam explain it to you. How, was that good? If you don't understand it, just be patient. She's going to really show you what it really means in this dream that she had. But the Lord really is speaking right now. And thank you, Anthony, for taking that time to do that. That was really important. I hope you were able to engage in that. I know that was not your normal Sunday morning worship the Lord thing. But God was saying, I want to talk to these people. You know, and that was important that we hear God speak to us. And I know many of you got stuff from the Lord. Uh that's going to really help you in your Christian life. Amen? All righty. Um, somebody gave me this today. This is beautiful. It's a, a lion, for those who can see really good. The Lion of Judah. It's really beautiful. Pam Curran gave that to me. I appreciate that. It's, it's awesome. In fact, you can pass it around and look at it if you'd like to. Uh, don't put it in your pocket. <laughs> 
You can see the line on both sides. It's just really it's just incredible. I wanted everybody to be able to see that. If you but make sure it comes back in my hands, because if you leave with it, the, I will call the Holy Spirit down on you. And you will be under a lot of conviction. And not only will you have to give me that back, you will have to give me a hundred bucks for taking it. So if you don't want to be out of a hundred bucks, you're just going to have to be careful. All right, anyway, these are some thoughts, okay? This is not a real message. This is just thoughts. And the Lord is really trying to, uh, you know, in the natural realm, there's no such thing as a vacuum, okay? You can... They can you can create vacuums in the in the laboratory, but you can't create a vacuum in the in the natural. There's no such thing. Uh, um, so sometimes in our in our spiritual lives, it seems like we get a vacuum going, or a void happens in our life. Do you know what I'm talking about? Sometimes we feel like there's a void. There's something that we had that doesn't seem like it's there anymore, and and so we have to be, really be careful when, when those times happen to us um, because that's where the enemy is able to come into our... I love how he described that. An enemy don't usually come and say, well, you ain't, you know, you're not doing right. It's usually I'm not doing right. That's, you know, the enemy's tricky. And those are like thoughts that come into us because there's a void. There's not a... Po- a, a it's like a positive pressure. You want something coming out of you that keeps things from coming into you, okay? That keeps those thoughts. In other words, Jesus said He overcame evil with good. He had good thoughts flowing in His heart and mind. He had stuff from heaven flowing in Him, which was where the enemy couldn't come in with the negative thoughts or the insinuations. You know, I was telling somebody this morning, I've had one day in my life where I can tell you that I was in severe depression, and it was spiritual, but it was spiritual though, and it all began with a, a word, I, uh, something I said. I, I said these words, I'm just stupid. And that led, and the Lord, I think in some ways the Lord let that happen to me. It's like He just stepped back and said, I'm going I'm to show you what, how much power you have in your words and where they can take you. And it took me in to a really dark, a dark place. And I basically spent the whole day fighting this terrible depression. I finally had to, you know, saw that it, what it was for what it was and was able to break it. Uh, and Becky came home that evening. I hadn't been with her. And she walked in the door and she looked right at me and she said, What in the world is wrong with you? It's because I had been in such a deep place uh, in depression uh, because I, I said something that really came from, from hell. And, it, and it's released all this, this negative stuff on us. Um, you know, when I was a child, uh, I was told that idle hands are the devil's workshop. Has anybody ever heard that? Actually, that's not in the Bible, but it does have a basis of truth. That, you know, when our, our minds are idle, uh, the enemy, unless, unless they're full of full of God's presence, and the enemy can come into your mind. He, he looks for those empty places. He looks for those places where there's not something of the Lord where he can fill those places. And, and God really wants to help us when we go through times like that because everybody goes through times like that. We all do. That's part of life. And yeah, have you ever noticed how somebody can really be doing awesome and doing well, and then the next thing you know, they start entertaining negative thoughts? And then they become negative, and they start finding fault. The thing that they used to love, they begin to find fault with. 
Okay. Well, here's a scripture I wanted to give you. It's in Revelations 3 3. And this was the Lord giving a word to a church, the church of Sardis, that, you, that had a name that it was alive. That's what he said. You had a name that you're alive, but you're really dead. In other words, it used to be a church that have, had life. It used to be a person and people that were full of life. But now all they had was the, that name that they were alive. But he said, the truth is, you're not alive, you're dead. You know, and, and then he goes and gives them, this is what you need to do. And this is what we need to do when we find ourselves in those moments when we don't, we're not connected with life. We don't feel life. We don't, there's that, that, there's not that flow in our thinking and there's not that sense of God and you just feel normal. It's the best way I can say it. You just feel like a normal everyday person and there's not, you don't feel like the spiritual is, is, is alive to you. Do y'all understand what I'm saying? And so you're going to have those moments in your life. But this is what the Lord told these people. He said, first of all, He said, this is Revelations 3 3. He said, Remember. So that's really the first thing. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. In other words, He was saying, You've got to remember what I've done in your life. You've got to remember how I spoke to you. You've got to remember what I said. You've got to remember what I've done in your life. And, 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 and that's really such an important thing. Remember, it's obviously important, that's what Jesus said, and hold fast to it. Hold fast to that thing. If you don't have anything right this moment happening in your life spiritually, hold fast to what you did have. Hold fast to what you knew was real. Okay? Just hang on to that. If you don't have anything else, just hold on. That's what he was saying. And repent. That's what he was saying. And repent, which means change your mind. Don't think the way you've been thinking. Stop thinking the way you've been thinking. Okay? Stop. You know, that's what he's saying. Change, change your mind and stay in that place of continual changing your mind. Because if you follow the Lord, he's constantly wanting you to change your mind. I mean, he's, he's constantly wanting you to repent. It's like, uh, you know, and, and it's like going through that door. You constantly have to humble yourself. Therefore, if... Therefore, if you will not watch, and that's the last thing, is, is, is pay attention to what's going on. Pay attention to your words. Pay attention to your thoughts. You know, and, and pay attention to what's going on around you. Be aware of what's happening. You know, and if you'll do that, you, you know, you can really begin to really connect with what's go, really what's going on spiritually um, in your life. Now, I don't usually quote uh, many people. I'm going to quote myself. <laughs> Something I wrote recently that I think could help you. Uh, otherwise, I wouldn't have wrote it in the first place. This is what I said. This is what I wrote. I look back at how God has clearly worked and led us, okay, because it gives a glimpse for what is ahead. Okay? It gives a glimpse for what is ahead. Those times are like the markers that Israel set up to remind them of God's work in their lives and nation. Joshua 4, 6, 7. In other words, this is a common thing with God. Remember how I led you. Remember what I did. Don't forget these things. Don't forget them. Remember them. Uh, in Experiencing God, which is a great Bible study by Henry Blackaby, a great Baptist man, uh, like a, really a Baptist prophet, uh, knowing and doing the will of God, he says that God works in our lives in line with what He has already done in the past. 
in line with what he's already done in the past. How he's going to lead you. How he, remember he spoke to you. Remember he poured out his spirit on you. Remember how, what it was like. Remember that. And, of course, Mark Twain probably says it the best of anybody. He says, history does not repeat itself, but it does rhyme. Don't you love that? It rhymes. There's a rhyme. There's a, in other words, there's a rhythm to the spiritual world. There's a rhythm to how God works in your life. And he'll, he'll establish this rhythm in you. And once you, you, you can begin to understand that rhythm, how many, people can, how many people connect with God? I mean, you connect with God because you feel this rhythm. You feel something. Or, I call it a flow. It's more of a flow in my life. I can sense this flow. I can tell when I'm flowing in God and, and, I'm, move, and I'm living in grace because there's a flow in my life. And when I don't have that, I get concerned when, I'm, when, I'm really, when, I, can't, when I stop and think, am I conscious of that working in my life? And if I'm not, I really realize something's... I've got I to stop here. I've got to slow down here and, and, and pay attention to what's going on and, 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 you know, change my mind and get back into that flow. And that's really the way God wants us to live our lives. Um, because this is, this is what this does for you. Once you begin... Now, I'm telling you, this really will work if you really want something to help you stay connected with God and stay encouraged in your, your heart. As you, you think about what God has done... Or if God's doing something in your life, right? you, you put that, put your mind on that. And what that will do is that will cause you to be thankful. You'll begin to thank God for it. And once you begin to thank God, then your, your whole attitude will begin to shift. You'll shift from thinking about the negative into a thankfulness. Because that's what thankfulness does. Thankfulness really releases a refreshment to you. And, one, and it also releases faith. It also releases faith. You, you can study that. You can see that all throughout the Bible. Thankfulness is a, is a faith releaser. And once you've got this faith going, then you can bear that. You know, you, we walk by faith. We can see by, with the eyes of faith. You can begin to access the spiritual world. And so what happens is, this is a principle. Uh, Matthew thirteen twelve. Jesus said, To him who has, more will be given. To him who has, that is like attracts like in the spiritual realm. Like attract. In other words, what when you begin to think about and focus on what God has done, it attracts more of God. It attracts more things. Right then, right there. So you can. This is what you can do. You can start your day. This is literally. You can start your day remembering what God did in your life, and begin become thankful for, and and begin to look at that pattern. And then what you can do is, thank you, Lord, you've done that. There's more of this coming right now because I have this favor working in me. I see this favor. This favor is activated, and it's going to cause more favor to come towards me. That's, that, I'm telling you, that works. That's how the spiritual world works. And it, and it keeps this flow of God going in your life. And that's not positive thinking. That's real thinking. That's heavenly thinking. And the more you do that, the more you will find the, the activity of God and the more you'll see the activity of God and you'll get off the negative things in your life. doesn't mean there's not bad things going on in your life. It just means you're seeing something much better and much greater and you're able to, to deal with those you know, things that are causing you difficulty. Amen? Oh, y'all doing like they did in the first service. How come y'all were so engaged with Anthony when me, you're just sitting there looking at me? I need to learn how to play a guitar. Okay.
It's a faith booster, okay? While Anthony was giving us instructions, the last thing God said was, act on what I've given you and I'll give you more and prosper you beyond measure. You are the dam stopping the flow. Act now. There's still time. Fear not. There you go. That's good. That is a faith, faith releaser. All right, let me give you this Matthew eleven twelve. okay? Um, and I hope they got it in the right version. Anybody ever heard of the Williams New Testament? Raise your hand if you ever heard of the Williams New Testament. Well, one, two. That, you should, you can't get, you can't, it doesn't, you know, your app, you, Williams New Testament doesn't exist in your iPhone app or any Bible program that I can find. You can get a copy of an electronic copy if you're smart and you search it out enough. But more than likely, you're going to go buy it because you probably ain't going to spend enough time searching for that. And the sad thing about it is it only works on a PC. That's bad. Because there is a book. But the people who have PCs, you can get it. But the rest of us greater people who have much more revelation, who are in the Apple world, we can't get it yet. Them people are going to find out about that. <laughs> but you can buy this New Testament on Amazon. Anyways, this is the way... Yes, this, they got it up there. I had to type it out for them. And from the days of John the Baptist until the present moment, the kingdom of heaven has been continuously taken by storm. And those who take it by storm are seizing it as a precious prize. And that precious prize is literally the way, that verse, the way they say it there is literally the way a person who lived in Jesus' day, who understood that language, that's how it would be read to them. That's what, when, they, when Jesus was saying that, he was saying the kingdom is a precious prize. It's a precious prize. And people who've gotten it have went at it. They've stormed. I love that picture. You know, like, we're going to storm. We're going to storm the, the, the gates. We're going to storm the salad bar. <laughs> I trying to say something. Nobody storms salad bars. We would storm a food bar, a steak bar, you know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, and so that's what, he, what Jesus was saying is that's the kind of heart that people who really get this revelation about the kingdom of heaven, they see it as being something precious, something worth storming for. That's a powerful picture. We're going to storm heaven for the kingdom of heaven. Okay? We're going to storm it. And, and so that's really the heart that God is trying to awaken, I think, in the church now. I know he's trying to awaken that heart in me, and awaken a, a, that the kingdom is the, the precious prize. And I need to storm heaven for the kingdom. I need to really storm heaven for the kingdom. Now, let me help you with that, okay? Because uh, let me read Second John 7. All right, this is very interesting here. Are you all okay? It says, uh, many deceivers, this is a regular old King James, not quite as exciting. For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist, okay? So deception equals religion. That's the, religion unchecked leads to an antichrist spirit, okay? Now, that's the truth. Deception equals religion, and religion left unchecked in our life will lead to this antichrist spirit, okay? Now, this is the great thing about this. If you look at this, this verse and read it, that word uh, 
confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh, literally, that would literally and truly say this, Jesus Christ as continually coming in the flesh. Okay? Now, does that, this is what this doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that Jesus is going to come back to earth as a man again. But it does mean this, that Jesus is continuously, to this very moment, trying to manifest himself into this world, into the earthly, natural, fleshly world that we live in. He's trying to reveal himself, okay, in a continuous, ongoing basis to people. And a, dece- a deception is, he has a, he's not doing that anymore. A deception is, and religion resists that and doesn't want to face the fact that God is trying to break into this world with his world, with himself, and reveal himself. And that he's doing that continuously. That is a continuous... In other words, the truth is we should be having continual encounters in this world we, because Christ is continually trying to reveal himself. Okay, through whatever means he may choose at that moment. That's what it means. I think that's pretty cool. Now, here's the truth. Here's what we've fought in the past. This is a past thing. And I think it's probably going out there. One time this guy came up to me, and I forgot the name of the song now. Becky was here earlier. She told me what it was. Uh, This guy said, that song offended me. Oh, the name of the song was Arise, O Lord, Demonstrate Your Power. Remember that song? Somebody go, Rise, O Lord, demonstrate your power. I can't sing, obviously. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Hey, you know what really blessed me the other day? This is a side thing. Is Anthony and Andy were back there working on a song, okay? And it wasn't a worship song. It was just a cool song, a good song, an awesome song. And they wanted, so we came in. Andy came out there fussing at me for being loud because they were recording it. And, and I was yelling. I, I don't know what I was doing wrong, but obviously it was not suiting them. Anyway, they said, well, we're back here writing a song. And so they said, do you want us to play it for? And they, and they played it, and Becky and I listened to them. That was our audience. And they, when they stopped, both of them did this. They laughed. And I thought, that, that's awesome. Because what they just did, they, they laughed because there's life on what they were doing. There was something they realized they had, you know what I'm saying? They, they had tapped into something. That's the way it felt to me. And that laugh was an expression that they had tapped into something creative and something, something awesome because they did it independently. They didn't look at each other and laugh. They just laughed independently. I thought that was cool. Well, anyway, back to Arise, O Lord. Are you interested in hearing about that? Well, the man said he was offended. I said, okay, what's the offense? And the Lord's already risen. That's what he said to me. He's already showed his power. And I said, uh, can I ask you a question? He said, yeah. I said, doesn't your wife have Crohn's disease? Yeah, what does that have to do with anything? And I said, well, it has everything, you know. But rise, O Lord, demonstrate your power. That's what it has to do with it. Your wife has Crohn's disease. <laughs> sure, Jesus has already risen. You know, sure, the kingdom has already come, but it's not been fully manifested. And your wife, it needs to be. And don't you have two kids that are really bad in sin right now? Yeah. What does that have anything to do with it? I mean, because here he, this guy had moved into deception. He really couldn't see that. For him, Jesus manifesting himself was okay in the Bible, but it wasn't okay here. Okay? And so that's, been, that's not necessarily our problem anymore, but there's other problems out there, like false teachings that says something along the lines of this. We've got everything. There's nothing more for God to do. What people who say that don't know is when we say... Because I've had people tell me, 
the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done, is not a legitimate prayer anymore because God's kingdom has already come. Except the fact is, it's the same thing. It's your kingdom continuously come. Or your kingdom come continuously. That's what it really says. And we're, you see what I'm saying? You see how we can deceive ourselves right with a doctrine, with a theology. We can, we can, we can walk ourselves right out of God manifesting Himself over a belief system, okay, that's really not even biblically sound belief system. It sounds okay. It sounds great. Yeah, Jesus has already risen. Of course He has. Nobody would argue that point. We believe that. We just need more manifestation of that resurrection power to come. It really is. Now, let me read Isaiah 6.1. Are you all doing okay? This is good. Isaiah 6.1. Everybody knows this. Uh... In the year that King Uzziah died. Well, this is the truth. As many times what's hindering us from seeing the kingdom of heaven is something. There's something hindering us. And so, so something has to die. Like in, in Isaiah's life, a person had to die. And once that person died, because that person was in the way of him seeing the kingdom, it was blocking. And it could be anything. But many times for us, there has to be a death in us. For us to really lay hold of the kingdom, to really see the kingdom. It could be a vision. It could be a dream. It could be your ministry. It could be lots of things. Hopefully it wouldn't be a person. Hopefully it wouldn't be you. You finally died and got to heaven and saw the kingdom. You know, We want to see it before we get there, right? And so I think that's really important. He said, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne high and lifted up. And the train, everybody say train. The train of his robe filled the temple. Now, here's the picture. I love this picture because it's ingrained in my mind when my daughter got married. Okay? She got, we, she got married at a church, Fairview Methodist. Has, I don't know if you've ever been inside that church. It was beautiful on the inside. And it has doors. That, the back of the church has these doors that open. So, so I was with her, you know, the daddy, walking her down the aisle. And so it was time for her to come in. And she stepped into the sanctuary... She was standing in the sanctuary, but her robe was behind her, a few feet behind her, okay? And so as she walked, she was already there. And it's like, that's how I see God. Since that time, this is how I see God. God has come. He has manifested. But the train of His robe, the manifestation of Himself, the manifestation of His kingdom is still coming because His train, we've never found the caboose of that train. And that, that His presence is still coming. That's why we can say, Lord, more of Your presence, more of Your activity. Bring more, because Your train is filling the temple, but it's, well, we haven't found the caboose. We've never found the end of Him. We've never found the end of His kingdom. And so, we, and so when God begins to re-fire our hearts towards the kingdom, we realize there is a lot more of the kingdom than we realize. And He really wants us to get into that to that mode. You know, every Christian has the Holy Spirit, okay, inside of them. That is really 100% truth. Every, if you're born again, you got... But not every Christian has the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit, the presence of the Holy Spirit resting on them. One you get by being born again. The other one you get by intentionality, by pursuit, by, by, by recognizing there's something more that God has for me. There's, there's more of His presence. There's more of His power. There's more of His manifestation. You know, I know people who say they've got it all, and but you think, you do? 
my goodness, this is a messed up Christianity. You got it all. I'm not seeing it all. If that's all, you know, you're, you're too advanced for me. Because you're so far advanced, I can't see any of it. I'm just, I'm just messing around. I'm just trying to make a point. But I have told people that. Much of their, they were mad at me too. Because they thought I was putting them down. They thought I was lifting myself above them. I was saying, well, no, if you got it all, I want it. But if, if that's all, I'm not sure I want it. You know, the truthfully. Well, here's a scripture. I want to give you this, okay? This is thoughts, okay? Remember, this is not like a real message. <laughs> this, is a, this is a pseudo message. Or somebody said quasi. This is a quasi message. Matthew 5, 3. Now, these, now this is called the Beatitudes, Okay, now this, this Beatitude thing is really cool. I've been really studying these Beatitudes and really what, what they are. What, what is this? Why are they so important? Why, what's the deal on them? And this is, this is the what I've concluded. This Beatitudes is like Jesus said. He told people uh, in Matthew, I think Matthew four seventeen, the rep- change your mind and you'll see the kingdom. And here he said, and I'm going to show you what I'm like on the inside. I'm going to show you what is happening in me, inside of me, how I, how my attitudes, my heart condition. I'm going to reveal that to you. I'm going to open up my, you know, like somebody opens their heart to you and shares their real self with you, their authentic self. You get to see it and their attitudes and their thoughts and feelings. Y'all know about that? Anybody ever done that with you? It's like somebody gives you their most precious thing. This is what he is doing. I'm going to show you my attitudes about life and how I see life. And if you can really adopt these into your life, if you can really gain this, you're going to gain... This is what my heart looks like. This is how I approach things. This is how I see things. And this is what enables me to function in the invisible world because of these things. And the first one, I've looked at this a little bit. I'm no expert on anything, obviously. Uh, But they build, if you study them, they build on each other. The the first one, I'm going to read, I'm just going to read the first one. All the other ones spring out of this first one. Okay, but this is a tricky one, at least one. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit. First of all, let me say, blessed means happy. Okay, happy, happy are the poor in spirit. Hey, happy are those who mourn. What? I mean, some of it seems contradictory. I'll be, I'll be honest with you. That don't seem happy to me, Lord. You know, mourning and happiness, how can they go together? Because it's spiritual, okay? And it's the kingdom, and things work different in the kingdom world. Anyways, happy are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Okay, so he now this poor in spirit thing. I don't know about you, but that's sort of trick. That's sort of a tricky thought there, because we're you know there's another scripture. Okay, let's let me go ahead and give you the other the scripture. See, I, I feel like I was in this tug of war almost in my heart. Like there's two things. Wait a minute. There's blessed or happy or the poor in spirit. For there's that's how you get the kingdom is being poor in spirit. But wait a minute, Lord. What about this scripture that Paul said down the road? Ephesians 1, 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us, past tense, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. That has to be a lot of stuff, right? That has to be the ultimate riches. Yeah. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. I mean, this has to be the mother load that he was talking about that has been made available to all of us in Christ. So, on the one hand, Paul is talking about these wealthy Christians who have it all. 
You have it all. You're rich beyond measure. But then he's talking about these poor people. Jesus is talking about just being poor. Paul's talking about being rich, about our riches. And Jesus is talking about being... So, wait a minute, Lord, which one is it? Because I want all those. I want to be rich spiritually. I want to overflow with this. But you're saying it's better in terms of the kingdom of heaven. It's better to be poor in your spirit. Does that make sense? Have you ever thought about that? Well, this is it. This is what it means. I've got this. I've, I've thought about this a lot. Is there a controversy between Jesus and Paul? No, right, Andy? Andy was telling me there was people out there who believed there is. Like, you know, Andy's the one who told me about that. You know, and I was saying, they don't know. What they, that's not right. There's no controversy. How can anybody have any controversy with Jesus, anybody in the Bible? Unless they were, you know, the devil. He shows up in the Bible. So here's what it is. Let me just give you this. I wrote this down. I want to read it to you because I can't keep it all together. I need to, Larry Randolph anointing of a teacher that says, you know, how he says, a teacher tells you something that you know is true in your heart. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's it. Well, I figured that out how to write this, my own, teach my own self. This, when I wrote this down, I'm like, that's it. That's what I really feel about this poor in spirit. The poor in spirit are those who are conscious, conscious, of the great spiritual wealth we have been given. They're conscious of it. They realize it. They know we've been given a great spiritual wealth. Okay? But at the same time, are also conscious of the incompleteness of their spiritual lives. The incompleteness in comparison to the wealth that we have available. Are y'all following that? In comparison to the wealth that we have available in Christ, we look at ourselves and say, My gosh, I am poor in spirit. I am I'm destitute when I look at the riches of Christ. That's the way it's like a man who has a hundred billion dollars and another man who has ten thousand dollars. The guy with ten thousand, like, I don't have no money. If I had ten thousand dollars, I think I had some money. But a guy with millions and billions, that's nothing to him. And God, it's like God is wealthy beyond measure. And He's made it accessible to us. But yet we look at it and we realize, oh my gosh, this is the truth. I'm going to tell you the truth. You can tell when you're growing spiritually. This is how you can tell when you're growing spiritually. If you really want to know, it's when God gets bigger and more mysterious to you. Suddenly you're real. It's not, you think you got God figured out on a level. But as you grow spiritually, you realize, wait a minute. He's bigger than I thought he was. Wait a minute. I don't know nothing. I, I mean, I've stuck my finger in an ocean and caught, got a drop of water on me. I don't really know. I could get a 55-gallon barrel of ocean water and think I had a lot of water. But looking at that compared to the ocean, it's nothing. And so God really wants us to cultivate that heart attitude that we are poor. And, and these people, they fall. They fall on their knees. Those are the ones like, oh my gosh, I, I'm just poor. You have so much more for me. You have so much more that you want me to have. I really am an incomplete person. I know really nothing when it really comes down to it. Are y'all following that? And that's a person who's poor in spirit. They have it all. Yet they don't, they're not walking at all. They're rich beyond measure, but they haven't been able to totally to, to tap into all those riches. Okay, I will. Annie's writing it down. <laughs> the poor in spirit are those who are conscious of the great spiritual wealth we have already been given in Christ. 
but at the same time are conscious of the great spiritual incompleteness in their own souls and bow at heaven's door. Isn't that good? I did that. I'll admit that. It took me a long t- It took me a while. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Not like that's anything really earth-shattering, but it was to me. <laughs> it is to me because God has got me on a journey of the kingdom. And I'm wanting to have, I'm wanting to have those beatitudes in me. Because I want to see the kingdom. And when, when we talk about repenting, that's what Jesus said, repent to this. Repent to this. Repent to being poor in spirit, and you're going to begin to get the heavens. And, and, and the rest of them, you know, each one of them are key for us. But I don't have time to do all that. But I wanted to um, read this Matthew 6.33, which everybody knows. But I, I love this because this is the mathematical verse in the Bible. Everybody loves math. I'm a math guy, right? Marlon's a math guy. We're math guys. So when we find a math verse, we love math verses. Because it says, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be what? Added. It's mathematical. He wants to add something into your life. Okay? But here's the thing. Here's what I've learned about the spiritual realm and about, about stuff like this. Uh, there's also another side of that verse. Seek something else first, and all these things will be subtracted from your life. Now, that's the truth. Yeah. So here's what's going on now with a lot of Christians. Right, now. A lot of Christians are in the subtraction mode. And I'm not talking about God pruning you. I'm not talking about... I'm talking about we have stopped seeking first the kingdom. And because we stopped seeking first the kingdom, the mathematical laws of the kingdom of God went to work against us. And, we, and the things that we were going after, the things we're loving, were, started creating poverty in us instead of creating life in us. Because when we, sit, when we make the kingdom first, those things are added. They, they come to us. They're added to us. But when we put those other things first, it starts taking away things from us. And we start losing in our life. We, it creates a, a, a poverty in our soul. And not a good poverty, a bad poverty. Are y'all following that? I mean, this is really important. What We have to make decisions in our heart of what we're going to seek first. Because if we seek first the kingdom, we get things added to us. But when we start seeking first something else, everything that we really want, even that thing that we're seeking after, it's, we're going to lose it ultimately. It's going to create this negative thing inside of our hearts. You know what I'm saying? And so it's easy to really do that. It's really easy to fall in to seeking something else. Because most of the time, for most good Christian people, the people that love the Lord and who really consider themselves going after the Lord, they're, they're going after things. They're going after dreams. They're going after visions. They're going after revelation. They're going after, you know, whatever it is that's in their heart. And over time, that thing can be the first thing. Literally. Okay? That thing can be the, become the first thing in your life. And it starts causing subtraction. And that's where Pam can come in and bring all this into clarity. And everybody will understand finally what this person is rambling on. Because Pam had this dream. And I'll be, here's my experience with this dream. Becky said, Pam had this dream. She told me this last night. I said, well, what was it? She said, oh, it's pretty good. Well, what was it? Well, it was really good. I said, just give me the reader's digest version of it, Becky. He said, oh, I'll send it to you. Well, no, I just want you to tell it to me. I sent it to you. Well, can you tell me what it was? Mm-mm. 
just wasn't done. So finally I had to go look at it, and I read it. And I thought, I'm going to do this message. Pam gave me courage to do the message because she had the dream. But I think the dream really could speak to us. And I want you to really receive this, if you will. Okay, well, I had this dream last weekend at the women's retreat, and I didn't really know what it meant. I pondered it a few days, and actually I was at a small group Tuesday night, and Linda Gein was there, and she was talking about, I didn't share this in the first service, but she was talking about when Jesus cursed the fig tree, and as she was sitting there talking about that, it just came to me about the dream and what it meant, so... The dream I had, I was either living or staying at Byron and Becky's house, and I was in the front yard, and there was a pasture beside the house. And in the pasture was a huge black horse and a huge brown and white cow. And I was standing there looking at them, and all of a sudden this old woman wearing a white nightgown went walking through the pasture, and the cow started chasing her. So I thought, oh, my gosh, i got to get help for her. She's going to get run over by this cow. So I went to the front door of the house and flung open the door and said, Byron! And as I did that, I realized that Byron was performing a wedding. I could see him standing facing a bride and groom. And I was like, oh my gosh, I've interrupted the wedding. And people, a couple people looked at me like dirty looks, you know, like you've interrupted the wedding. But I was thinking, well, I didn't know there was a wedding. Nobody told me there was a wedding. So I went upstairs in a bedroom, and my daughters were there. There were eight single beds in the room, and uh, I said to my daughters, this is where Becky's grandchildren sleep when they come over. We need to find a place of our own. So, uh, yes, we're believing, Byron and Becky, you're going to have eight grandchildren now. (laughs) But what what I felt like the Lord showed me was, first of all, the... The pasture was like the world and the things of the world that we have to have. The cow, Byron said that's provision. The horse, he said that represents ministry. We have to have those things, but they were huge. They were they were out of proportion. And I didn't know there was a wedding going on. I should have known, duh, you know. I think that represents the kingdom of God. And for me, it's like a wake-up call. Wake up. There's a wedding coming, you know, and that's what you need to focus on. That's what I need to focus on, not all the things that distract me from what the Lord's called me to. You know, I think we're all, we could all easily fall into that. But if we discern the times, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he'll add everything else we need because, you know, now's the time to think about the wedding. Wasn't that good? So... So remember the scripture, the kingdom is a precious prize. We want God to make the kingdom to us like a, that is a precious prize to us in this life. That, okay? You know, I, I gave the example. Becky was a precious prize to me, and I went after Becky as a precious prize. I pursued her. I spent money I didn't really have on her. <laughs> Literally. Like, I'm going in the hole bad on this girl, Lord. I bought her flowers all the time. I bought her music. I found out what she loved. I did all that because I was pursuing. To me, she was the prize I was pursuing. And I need to keep doing that, right? Yep. Guys, we need to keep doing that because they still are a precious prize. We may have gotten used to them. That's a problem. Getting get too used to things, you lose the, you, you lose the, the glory of them. But I think what we, if we need to really ask the Lord to help us 
to see the kingdom as a precious price. You know? And to see that, Lord, you know, yes, you really have blessed us. We are very wealthy Christians in terms of spiritually. We really do have all this. But the truth is, in light of all that you have, we're paupers. Really, Lord? We're living like paupers. We're poor, and we're just crying out to you because we're poor people spiritually because you have so much more in light of all your glory, in light of all that you have, Lord. And we're beginning, we want to see this as the prize of our life and that we're going to make that the first thing in our life. And we're going to pursue that first. And we're going to begin to cultivate that heart attitude like Jesus, Jesus had to pursue first the kingdom. So all these other things will be added. They'll be, we'll be taken care of because it's all part of the kingdom. And we can get out of this subtraction mode where we feel like we're constantly losing and we're fighting to hold on to stuff and fighting for everything. And once you're in the kingdom, you ain't going to fight for anything. If you lose something, if it's something inside the kingdom, if you lose something like, oh, well, that was in the way of something anyway because God has something much greater for me. That was just in the way. I don't, I don't need that in my life anyway because there's something much more powerful here for me. So I want to ask you this morning, for people who really have this heart, who really you want to make that transition, Make that shift. And let me just tell you this. This is what the Lord... Because I've had this thing on me. I've had this conviction in my life about... I've allowed other things to get more important than the kingdom. And I realized that the Lord showed me that. And I realized I could tell that in attitudes and and different things in me that there's just something else more important to me. And they were not bad things. One of them was this church and, and the things that God's called me to do. But I realized that's become more important than this kingdom. And I'm going to lose it all if I don't really make this transition. My, but you know what the Lord told me? He said, Byron, it's the Father's good pleasure to give and continue to give His kingdom. It's His pleasure to do that. He wants to do it. It's in His heart. It's like, I, I've done it. I want to keep doing it. I want to, and I'll put that desire in you. I'll put that hunger in you if you, you know, if you'll let me. If you'll just allow it, if you'll agree with it and, and change your mind. And once we begin to do that, then things can, in our lives can begin to, to shift. We have, this is the truth, I think we've went after the kingdom, the outward things of the kingdom. Okay? Which I think we should, and we should like the healing and the miracles and all that. That's really important. But Jesus, He had something inwardly working in Him that the outward was just a an outward expression of what was already in him. And that's where God wants, to me, that's what he said to me. You get to that, that other stuff will take care of itself. You'll be doing that stuff. But if you'll pursue these beatitude kind of things, you'll pursue this, seek first the kingdom, things will start happening in your life. More and more, more they'll be more supernatural than, than you're having currently. Amen? Let's just stand up. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to ask Anthony Skinner, will he play? A goodbye song to us. <laughs> no, this is a temporary goodbye song from Anthony Skinner because he's coming back, right, Andy? He's he's locked in to the family now, right, Anthony? You're part of the family. River Life Extension, wherever he goes, he takes the takes the kingdom with him. Yes, sir. Okay, Revelation on the cow. I, I, as she was sharing the dream, what the Lord showed me was that if we do what Byron says, the blessings of God will chase us down. And that's what that cow was doing, not chasing her out.
but chasing her down. A big old cow. You know, that's what Kathy Walters told us a few years ago. Cows. Remember that? There are provisions. I believe that's the truth. Provisions from heaven. Uh, the Bible says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my... When we don't seek the kingdom, we get so far away from the goodness and mercy, it's like, where is it? I've left it in the dust. I've got off the wrong path. They don't go down this path. Amen? Let's just say, Lord, Father, we just come before you, Lord. We're wanting to be people who remember. We want to remember what you've done in our life. We want to be people who hold fast to those things, Lord. And, Lord, I believe everybody in this room at some point has had some level of revelation of the kingdom of heaven in their life. Lord, I remember a time when that really was the word of the Lord. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And, Lord, somehow we've drifted we drifted, we drifted, we drifted from the kingdom. And today we're, we're turning back, though. Today we're saying we're changing our mind. Today we're saying we're going to lay hold of your kingdom come. And we want to, to say, Lord, we're going to make the kingdom first in our life. We choose to make the kingdom first. We choose to seek first the kingdom in Jesus' name. And we just thank you for that. Now, while Anthony's playing... Okay, you want to do business with God, that'd be awesome. If you need prayer, like if you need prayer for sickness, you need, or if you're in a desperate need of prayer, if you just need God, Lord, I just need you. Lord, I need you to do something in my life. I hear all this. I need all this. I want all that. And you feel that in your heart. That's a, we want to lay hands on you and pray for His kingdom to continually that Jesus would manifest Himself in your life in a continual way. If you've gotten into negative stuff in your mind, where you've gotten where you've become critical about things, and it's you know a negative thing, now's a good time to get rid of all that. It's a real good time. Just dump all that stuff and you know flush it, and start receiving you know the, the life-giving words of heaven into your mind again. So if you want to come up here and, and for people to pray for you, if you just want to come up here, you know, we'll be, we want to lay hands on you and love you because His kingdom is a kingdom of love. I know that. And just bless you today. But let's, we'll do that while Anthony sings and, you know, we'll just end doing that in Jesus' name. Amen. And Lord bless you. Another cloudy day Maybe we should go outside anyway You never know what you could find What's the chance my hand you'll take Maybe we should go and walk in the rain let your troubles just fall away You gotta trust me, darling, when I say I made it once before I made it through that stone So come on, baby, keep the faith Everything will be okay It ain't over till it's done I swear we're gonna see the sun What's wrong with getting caught in the rain? Tomorrow is another day. 
So come on, baby, keep the faith.